Well, we have been very, I think, uh, at least for me, and maybe it's just for me, but uh, <clears throat> I feel like we've been somewhat deep in the past seven weeks. We've, in a sense, we've gone some places that as a church family, we've really never gone before. We've studied some things. We've talked about this as a family, and that's one reason why we did it in the summer is we wanted to be with our, 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 our core family, and there were those that traveled and were gone some, some weeks during the summer, but it's just been, I think, real uh, beneficial for us to, to talk about the church, to talk about some things in Scripture. Uh, the essence of our sermon series title, A Biblical Model, not to say that everything that we were doing at Gospel Light wasn't biblical, much of it was, but there were certain things that we just had never really looked at. We found ourselves in the midst of a lot of tradition. We found ourselves gathering data and ideas from books off of shelves, maybe from a college experience, or potentially just from the famous words of so many, we've just never done it that way before. And so as we began to look at Scripture, and we met for about six months, and six men who were, uh, who were chosen by our, our deacon board to, to begin to do a study in the Scriptures and to look deeper into the Word of God, and then to get with our deacons after we finish that, and, and then present it to the church at some point. In fact, Lord willing, by next Sunday, we'll have something to present to you. If not next Sunday, it'll be in the next couple of Sundays. We're, we're just finishing things up. In fact, we had a meeting last night for two hours. And, uh, and on, on one of the busiest weekends of the year, but for two hours, about eight men on our deacon board met up here with me, and we were able to tweak a few things, and questions were asked, and we were able to, and so we were going to go back and, and fix a few things before we finally let you see it as a completed project. But it's been so exciting. And so we have been somewhat deep. I mean, and, and again, I'm saying that at least from my perspective, because I've gone and waded out into some waters that, uh, that I've never really waded out in before. And so I thought, what better way to finish this here? And I say, I thought, I believe the, these, th- these thoughts uh, can come also in, in a prayer closet uh, and, and just saying, God, what would you have me to do? How, how would you have me to finish this series? And, and I'm, I'm convinced it's, it's, it's to be a very practical way, a, a way that we can begin to apply what we're hearing personally, individually, every household beginning to ask themselves the question, you know, what is it? look like to me? And where am I personally, spiritually in this process? And so I want you to join me this morning as we study the scriptures together on what is, what is a healthy church? What is a biblical church look like? And, and what would be some of the marks of a, a quality church? And that word quality I chose, and you'll see why in just a moment, but I think, I think we could have chosen healthy, we could, we could have chosen biblical, but, but we'll, we'll choose the word quality for a specific reason that I'll unveil in just a moment. You know, the church of Jesus Christ throughout the centuries has weathered many a storm. Would not you agree? Think about it. Uh, many churches have weathered the storm of division. I mean, in fact, we're 22 years old now, still a young church, but the truth is We've weathered some storms of division. The church has weathered storms of heresy. The church of Jesus Christ has weathered storms of persecution. And even today, there are more Christians being slain, killed. That's right. Not just persecuted and left to to find a way to live, but but, but literally their lives are are taken. They are giving their lives for what they believe, and that is in Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Persecution, but yet the church continues to grow and to move forward. The church has weathered a lot of scandal. 
sadly. But the church has weathered those types of storms. But yet Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said in his word that that I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not come against it. Amen. He knew what he was talking about when he said that. And so the mission of the church will succeed. Amen. It will succeed. My brother Brett preached last week, and and, and in essence, that's kind of really at some point what he was saying, is, is we will win. The church will succeed. The mission of God will succeed. And if the Lord tarries his coming, then church history, and I want you to think about this, then church history is going to record our generation of the church of Jesus Christ. There will come a day, if the Lord tarries, when somebody will look back on church history in the past hundred years where you and I were in charge of the mission. Where you and I had the responsibility to carry out the mission for which God has given us very clearly in Scripture and even more clearly now that you and I have decided to really look and see what is God really saying here. Observation. Maybe in our generation there has been potentially a lot of talk and this is maybe what our generation seems to be known for at this point in, in, our, in, in making church history. It seems to be known for an emphasis on church growth. I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. But really the focus of church growth as I see it, as I read about it, is not on the number of Christians but on the size of the church. Think about that with me for just a moment. Not the number of followers of Jesus Christ, true followers of Jesus Christ but rather on the size of the congregation. Some statistics to give you to, to kind of uh, support that. In 1980, and these are, these are as factual, I think, as, in fact, I, I erred on the side of, of uh, being conservative. In 1980, just 34 years ago in North America, there were less than 200 churches, less than 200 churches with over 2,000 in weekly attendance today. 2014. There's well over 2,000 churches in North America with a Sunday morning attendance of over 2,000. Back in 1980, the largest church was 5,000. The largest church in North America was 5,000 in 1980. Today, hundreds of churches, not one, hundreds of churches have an attendance of 5,000, and there are quite a few. I mean, like, substantial amount. Not just a dozen, but, but, but a good number of churches, over 10,000 every week in attendance. In fact, in South Africa, Asia, and South America, there are churches with over 100,000 in attendance. But wait, is that a good thing? Is large church the same as good church? Is large attendance the same as as quality church? In other words, is is quantity the same as quality? That's that's why I want to lay the foundation for this message. Is quantity the same as quality? Hey, there's a lot of people over there, so God must really be blessing it. I mean, hey, did you hear? Good night. The NFL fills up stadiums. God must really be in that thing. You know? Is, Is that really... Is that really good? You see, getting a large church is not really all that hard. I know that to be true because I I know what I'm reading. I I, I read these things, and as you study, read magazines, church growth magazines, I get three or four, don't even subscribe. They just send them. 
You read these church growth magazines and here's what they say that I should do. Here's what they say that we should do to build a big church. It's not that hard. It's pretty easy. Just get a smooth marketing program. Get some slick programs together. Make sure you're user friendly and the pastor preaches short positive sermons. And you'll draw a gigantic crowd. My problem has become that I'm beginning to understand, even after studying these scriptures for the past eight weeks and preaching to you, that my summation is that church growth is the enemy of quality ministry. And don't miss this. I want you to look at the first note on the screen. If we are to have the church, we're talking about a biblical model of a New Testament church. If we are to have the church that God would really smile upon, we need to focus our efforts on quality of ministry and not quantity of ministry. Quality. See, that's what we've been doing, church. We've been focusing on the... It finally just hit me. Really, what we're talking about is is having a more quality church, a more biblical church, a more healthy church. That doesn't necessarily mean more programs and slicker slicker messages and and, and better facilities. That, That really doesn't have anything to do with that. You see, God will take care of the quantity of our ministry. God's in charge of that. That's God's department. We we don't need to have a church growth division in our church. That's God's department. He's the director. He's the pastor of that department. What you and I need to be concerned about is the quality of our ministry, which at the end of the message is really going to boil down to the quality of your personal commitment to the local church. I believe this is a biblical statement about church growth. Are you ready? Numbers prove nothing. A biblical model of a New Testament church... I want to go on record as saying that, that I think that numbers prove nothing, and that is, is, is a biblical statement. Not, I can't take you to turn somewhere, but I can sure tell you that, that Jesus Christ died for the sins of mankind, and at the end of his three-year ministry, he had one boy at the cross taking care of his mama. After all those years of ministering, after all those years of, of loving and preaching and laying down his life, can I get an amen right there? And my Savior wasn't a failure. You can have a church of 20,000 people and it'd be a garbage church. You can have a church with 200 people who are on fire for God meeting in in a storefront and God is in the middle of that thing and doing unbelievable things in that church and numbers prove nothing. Now look at this in your notes this morning. Majority response is not a test for validity. A majority response is not a test for validity. Just because there's a lot of people that think it's a good place to be doesn't mean anything. You see, the body of Christ, the body of Christ, and this is scriptural, it's a lot like the human body. That's why we call it the body of Christ. There's a lot of similarities to the human body. You see, growth can be very healthy or growth can be a tumor. There is no connection between growth and health. So I want you to hear this from your pastor before I give you these four things. What we are getting fired up about 
Here's what we're getting fired up about. Here's what we're hoping you're going to get fired up about in the next week or two as you begin to see these things and, 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 and pray over these things. Here's what we're getting fired up about as the pastors of this church, as the leadership team of this church, as potentially the future elders of this church. We are fired out not about numbers of people but about quality of ministry. And that's what this series is all about. A biblical model of a New Testament church. Having a better quality ministry. Let's let God take care of how many people we minister to. Amen? And let's focus our efforts on being a biblical community that are seeking to follow Christ with our whole hearts. That's it. That's the focus. Let God take care of the numbers, what we want to be, what you need to be, what Eric Capace needs to be, what the Capace household at 621 3rd Street needs to be for 600 Garland is, is a, 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 a family that's living in community in its, within its church family and becoming uh, everything that God wants us to be in contributing to the quality of this church. And God takes care of the quantity. Wow. And that's what our... Our final passage is about today. As we look at Colossians chapter 2, would you look at it with me? And maybe it's there in front of you. And I, well, I hope you bring your Bible to church. Man, it's so helpful. And if you, if you can help someone uh, with this and make sure they've got something to look on, I just think it's so important uh, either to have our Bibles with us or if, if there's someone who did not bring our Bibles to have it with us so we can actually help someone else look on as we read these together. Look at Colossians 2 verse 1. Uh, Paul says here to this church at Colossae, he says, I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and into all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and this I say and this I say lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted, built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. That's our text. We're going to look at that. Four marks of a quality church. Are you ready, church? Here we go. Four marks of a quality church. Four marks of a healthy church. Four more marks of a, of a biblical church. Let's get right into it. Let's dive in. Number one, are you ready? Write this down. A healthy church, a quality church, is encouraged in heart. Do you see it in verse 1? Look at Colossians chapter uh, 1, or rather 2 verse 1. We'll see it together. Let's read verse 1 again. For I would that ye knew what great conflict... Paul says, listen, I have a burden. In church, I have a burden. Paul says, listen, there's something that is kind of stressing me out just a little bit. There's something that I'm deeply concerned about. There's something within me that is, that is just going through it. I, I'm having some inner turmoil. I've got a conflict going on. And here's what it is. I, I have a conflict for you. And for them at Laodicea, but not just for you, and not just for them at Laodicea, but for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Paul was basically saying there that I, I've never had the chance to really be at your church. I've never had the chance to, to go there physically and be there, but I have such a burden. There are some things I'm really hoping that you're getting. 
And number one is this, that your heart might be comforted. That word comfort literally means, and maybe you actually have a, 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 a translation that would use this word. It, it's the same word as comfort. It's encouraged. That your hearts would be comforted. That your hearts would be encouraged. You see here, when he says that their hearts, he's speaking of the inner being, the depths of their soul. I want you to be encouraged in your heart. There's a lot going on, a lot coming against the church, a lot of negative stuff out there, but I want you to be encouraged. I love 2 Corinthians 4.16. It's on the screen this morning. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, how many of you can relate to that? Amen. If your hand's not up, I need to find out what vitamins you're taking and what kind of makeup you're wearing to get your wrinkles out. Come on, your outward man is perishing. Amen. But good, look at this. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Isn't that good? I love that verse. Listen, think about this. While our bodies are getting worse and worse and worse, our spirits are getting better and better and better. That's what the verse teaches. We can be encouraged. In church, this is the first thing I want you to ask yourself. Are you good at this? I mean, as a church member, as a member of Gospel Light, listen, let's lay aside everything else we've been discussing. Let's just lump it all up in these four marks. Because Paul says, listen, I've got a burden. I've got a conflict. I've got some turmoil going inside. I, I, I want you to be encouraged in your heart. Two ways to encourage someone. And the way to figure that out is where do I encourage someone and how do I encourage someone? First of all, where is from alongside them? That's how you encourage someone, from alongside them. Not over them, that's authority. Not under them, that's servanthood, but, but, but beside them, that's relationship. That's community. You encourage someone by walking beside them. Here's a really cool quote. Don't walk behind me, I might not lead. Don't walk in front of me, I might not follow. Just walk beside me and be my friend. I love that. You say, that's kind of sentimental. Some of you need to cry a little bit. Just walk beside me. Just be my friend. Just encourage me. How can I encourage someone? Okay, I walk beside them, but, but then, then what do I do? Well, here's how you do it. By saying something to them. You, you encourage someone by saying something to them. There's a lot of ways to do that. You can entreat them. You can appeal to them. You can comfort them. You can exhort them. I mean, think about some of the things we've talked about in this sermon series. Even the church discipline, the two sermons on church discipline, have to do with encouraging one another. How encouraging is it to know that I've got a church full of people that want my marriage to make it? You want me to make it. You don't want me to look at pornography. Amen? Maybe some of you do. I don't know. I hope not. I'm, I'm being sarcastic. It's not very nice, is it? You want my marriage to make it. You want our church to make it. You're in this thing. You're, you're cheering us on. You're, you're, you're at every activity. You're, you're working at being more involved. You're in small group. You want us to make it. You're encouraging me. And I'm encouraging you. That's what Paul says is a mark of a quality church. Paul was calling the believers at Colossae to come alongside one another. To come alongside the members of that church and be an encouragement to each other. They, they, this is not talking about the comfort that God brings. God brings comfort, amen? 
When my wife was, was sick and ill, one of the greatest verses that God used in our lives was the fact that God is a comfort. He is the great comforter, and he will comfort us with a comfort that we can then comfort others with. But it's not talking about here the comfort that God brings. This is talking about the comfort that we bring to each other. We're supposed to do that. There's a lot of people in this room. A lot of people in this room. And listen, I wish we could grasp the incredible potential, the incredible potential in the balcony on this main floor. We have so much potential to encourage one another in this day we live in. We have the capacity to be such an immense blessing to each other. How important is the ministry of encouragement? How important is it? I mean, think about it. How important is it for you and I to understand that this particular thought of, of encouraging those that are sitting in the pew around me, those that are in this building, those that might be in our congregation but sick at home or in the hospital or, or away from God, how important is that? Well, Paul says, the first thing I would do, the very first thing, let me go on the record, I miss you, I wish I could be there, I haven't seen you, I, I, I'm, really, I'm in turmoil about that, but if I could be there, the very first thing I would do if I could would get to your churches i would come alongside someone and i would say how are you doing how are you doing brother i don't even know who you are but you're here this morning so i'm gonna guess it's not an accident thanks for holding the cross up there bro what's your name robert, robert. how would you like to be a first time guest and stand in front of the church holding the cross <laughs> amen i would come alongside you austin stand up austin and I'm not talking, come on out for a second, Austin. Can you, you, you know, can, Eddie, can you look? I come alongside a teenager that's 18, 18 years old, probably going to college in the fall, here, uh, here in a week or two. And I, he's already in it. And I'd come alongside Austin. I'm not talking about like this. I'm talking about like this. I say, hey, buddy, I love you, man. I'm coming alongside. I'm going to speak some life into him. Hey, I don't know too many 18-year-olds in college sitting on a second row. Amen. I already told him this morning, what did I tell you? Good. I already told you one thing that encouraged you. You remember? I told you I love you, but I'll tell you what else that I tell you about this. Oh, you like my outfit. I said, I like your outfit, man. <laughs> I said, I got to wear this stupid tie and jacket. I'm, everybody else gets to be comfortable. But me and Charlie, you know, and Doug and, and Kim. Okay, there's a few others. Thank you. I wish I could look like that, Charlie. Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> I told him that. I told him he looked sharp. And he seemed to like that. He, he, you said, thanks, preacher. Amen. Thank you. You say, what's so important about that? You don't get it. You don't get it. Are you serious? Did you really mean that? Do you not know how important that is? You say, yeah, I don't come to church for that. I come to church to get preached to you. Liar. You hope my sermon ends in five minutes. You enjoyed the worship more. Oh, come on. No, the truth of the matter is, is we all need encouragement. And we need to encourage others. That's what God's called us to do. This is big-time ministry, big-time ministry, encouragement. I think about one of the reasons I'm here today. I, I went to school in, uh, in, in the second grade. I just thought about two teachers I had. The, the, the difference between teacher one and teacher two. You ready for this? Second grade, my teacher was Mrs. Armstrong. Now, I don't know how many people remember their second-grade teacher, but if you had Mrs. Armstrong, you would remember her. She was heavy. She had big arms, and her name was Armstrong, and she hated my guts, and I mean, 
I, I couldn't do anything right. I remember she would yell at me. She would scream at me. She would come to my desk, and, and, and she would take her... In fact, my mom called the principal and complained, and, and she didn't teach next year. So, I mean, she was just that rough. And, and she would hit that desk, and my pencils would go on the floor, and I'd come home crying, and, and I'm telling you, there wasn't anything encouraging about her. But then I, I got to the eighth grade. My parents were divorced. My mom moved to Arkansas. I'm living in Arkansas 500 miles away from my hero, my dad, who's still my hero today. I'm living in Hot Springs versus living in New Orleans, and your food just can't touch New Orleans food. I mean, you got McClard's Barbecue and La Hacienda, and so that's grown on me, but I'm telling you, it can't, you can't even touch what jambalaya, etouffee, crawfish, crabs. Come on! I mean, I've left that all these years to come to this town. I love it here, too. I'm joking. I moved here. I was lonely. I was missing it. I was, uh, my dad couldn't come to any of my ball games. I started on the senior high team. Right, there's a guy in our church named Tony Thomas that's played with me, started on that team, too. And a man came to me at our first ball game, and he just, his name was John True. He was my, one of my teachers. He said, hey, Eric, I don't want to push my way into your life, but I was just wondering, I know your dad lives in New Orleans, and I don't know how many games he's going to be able to come to. And I said, I don't know if he'll get to come to any. He said, well, would you mind if when you score a bucket, if I just yell, that's my boy? Would that be okay? I just want you to have somebody in the stands that's cheering for you. And I remember thinking, yes, sir, that'd be great. And for five years, John True, from 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th, John True would be in the stands, and every time I'd hit a bucket, he'd say, that's my boy. That's an encouragement. I, I believe I'm here today in, in some way because somebody came alongside me, put their arm around me, and said, can I cheer for you? Can I cheer for you? I guarantee a suicide rate would go down drastically. I guarantee drugs and alcohol would evaporate. It'd be gone. If we had an army, an army rising up to break every chain of discouragement, to break every chain of depression, to break every chain of suicide, the power of Jesus Christ in us, encouraging others that they're worth more than that. That's what I'm talking about. Encouragement. The potential of encouragement. We desperately need to be an encouragement to one another. And God knows this is true. Every time I come into this pulpit, even in my office, right before I came in this building this morning at about 5 till 10, I said, God, help me, help me to, to have the capacity to be an encouragement to the congregation, whatever the message is on. I just want you to leave the building at the end of the day and say, you know what? I've been blessed. I've been encouraged. I can make it another day, another week. I, I'm, I'm thankful that Brother Eric has a, has a positive outlook on things and he's, he's not going to, you know, he, he, he's going to preach the truth and he's going to preach it straight and he's going to preach it hard at times but but we, but he loves us and more important than that god loves you and i really don't want you to see me and i hope you didn't take that the wrong way it's not about me i know that it's not i know that but i want to be an encouragement and you have that same potential somebody says here no pastor i'm the one that needs encouragement well, i know you need encouragement but there's somebody else that's got a bigger problem than you do and they're in this room and they're facing some pretty hard stuff the greatest joy is laying your burdens down and picking up the burdens of others. Amen? That's the greatest joy there is. I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. Don't forget that statement. That's, that's it. Fill in the blank. Circle it. Check mark it. The greatest joy is laying your burdens down and picking up the burdens of others. You want proof 
I'll give you proof. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. The Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Amen. Paul was right. Paul was right. This is the first mark of a quality church. The first mark. This means you're going to have to get here a little early now, huh? How can you encourage someone running late? How can you slip in and slip out? Hard to, hard to encourage anybody. Getting here at 1035 and leaving at the invitation. Amen. You say, well, it's Sundays. I want to sleep in. Good night, church. You only got one service a week. Come on. Can you get here early? You know, the only way we could go now, if we go backwards, is cancel church. Get here early. Shake hands. Encourage somebody. Number two. And I'll go quickly. The second mark of a quality church, everyone is encouraged and hearts are encouraged. Look at number two. Their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love. Number two, they are united in love. United in love. The second mark of a quality church, of a healthy church, of a biblical church is they are united in love. The glue that holds us together is love. That's the glue that holds us together. It's love. Man, listen, this is all through the Bible, folks. All through the Word of God. 1 John, do you have these on the screen? 1 John 3, 14. Read, just read some of these. They're great. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Look at the next one. 1 John 3, 23. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth God is born of God and knoweth God. And then finally, verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. That's just four quickies. I could give you 40 others. We just don't have time. In fact, Scripture even teaches us that Jesus said himself, by this shall all men know, by this shall the world know, by this shall the nations know that you are my disciples if, and only if, you have love. a clean nursery if and only if you have a nice landscape around your church if the preacher preaches a good no no if you have love one for another united in love let me give you four ways quickly to love one another number one you love one another by what you say it all starts with this It starts with the capacity to look someone in the eye and say, I love you. Amen. It starts there. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're part of the same family. Isn't that good? I think more than any other statement on planet earth, it ought to be heard more in this church, the words, I love you. I love you. I love you. Especially to one another because we're brothers and sisters. You know that, don't you? you're saved you're my brother in christ if you're saved you're my sister in christ i remember one time i we had a teacher we hired here and she came on staff and she taught i'll tell you a quick quick story it's so funny because you know listen i tell the the i tell the operator i love her i mean i tell the stranger that we had a guy come on campus to try to sell us some printing materials and he left my office and hey bro i love you man he goes (laughs) he walked out 
we had this teacher I hired her. She was, you know, graduate from a Bible college, and she came, and she's walking in the hallway, and, and I just greeted her. I said, hey, uh, Julie, it's good to have you here. We're glad you're on, on staff here. Hope you enjoy your experience at Gospel Light. I said, listen, I love you. And she looked at me, and she said, you what? And I said, I love you. And she said, it's a little forward, isn't it? I said, I don't mean like, I love you. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I say that to one person on planet Earth, it's, and she's sitting on the front row. I mean, there's a whole lot of difference between, honey, I love you. <laughs> then, hey, Darren, I love you. Did you feel any emotion there? But, okay, good, all right. <laughs> That's a good thing, okay. <laughs> I said, I love you. And she walked off, she said, okay, just where I'm from, we just don't say that. And I said, well, where I'm from, we do. <laughs> Six months went by. Six months. She's doing a good job teaching. She's coming in the hallway one morning. I'm coming down the hallway in the old building over here where the Spanish church was, is. And I said, uh, hey, Julie, I love you. And she said, I love you. Oh, I said it. I said it. She freaked out. She couldn't believe it. She held her mouth. She, she started shaking. I said it. I love I do love you, Pastor. I do love you. That felt good. That felt good to get it out. I love you. And she walked off. <laughs> I thought, man, she has been set. Break every chain. Break every chain. Isn't that good? There's people in this building may have a stone hard face or hard heart. Or you may not look like you need love, but you, we know you do. Everybody does. And to hear those words is so refreshing and so important. And Scripture says this is the mark of a healthy church, a church that knows how to say, I love you. We show our love by what we do. Secondly, by what we do. I thank God for those in this, in this church that are strong in this area. You're strong. Thank God for you. You're good about sending notes to those that are sick. You're good about bringing food by to those that are, are not capable of maybe cooking their food. You're good about checking on the widows. You're good about sending a note to those who need a note. You're good about watching on Sunday mornings for ways you can do something for somebody else. Let me encourage you to pick up that ministry of doing practical deeds of kindness to people to bless them. Pick it up, pick it up. How can you be a blessing? Listen to these church announcements. Listen. Could it just be a small offering to help buy a computer? That's a blessing. You're helping the whole church because we do desperately need some equipment. Could it be an announcement? We're having a work day. If you could give us 30 minutes, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, just to pick a few weeds. That's a, I could do that. What is it? How can you come alongside someone and help them across the street? Help them pick up something they dropped. You say, that counts too? It all counts. It all counts by what we do. This is where it gets harder, though, number three, by where we stand, by where you stand. You love someone. You show your love by where you stand. This goes back to church discipline. How many times have I looked a brother in the eye and said, or how many times should I have said, I can't let you do that. That's what this whole, that's what this covenant... Membership is all about. That's what, that's what, listen, you want to sum it up? You want me to sum it all up? I can't let you do that, Darian. I can't, I love you too much. And Darian looks at me and says, well, I don't really care what you think. I can do whatever I want. And I'm going to say, yeah, and I can tell somebody about it. And come back with an elder and talk to you because I love you. Amen. I don't want you to ruin your life. And I'm going to give it all I've got. Amen. Right, Marlena? You'd appreciate that. 
That's what it's about. Sometimes we've got to, we love someone by where we stand. No, this is the church of Jesus Christ. It's to be right. It's to be holy. It's to, it's to be conduct itself in a way that gives glory to God. We can't do that. Come on. Amen. Why do you think churches are falling apart and shutting their doors and Christians are leaving like crazy or, or, or going other places? Because the church of Jesus Christ is, is weak. It's, it's full of hypocrites. It's, it's, we preach one thing, we live another. And in a sense, we're all hypocrites. And yet, if we could just be strong to help one another and stand with one another, that's not hate, that's love. It's love. That's the, that's, that's, I'm summing it all up. Number four, we show love to others by spending time with them. You can't love people you don't know, and you can't know people you don't spend time with. Listen, so many want to express the, 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 the community that God is building here, but you can't really do that because your gospelite thing is Sunday morning in and out. Could I go on record as saying, you can't really be a part of gospelite Sunday morning in and out? I wish I would have gotten 50 amens right there. I need a lot of support right there. I, I'm just saying, it's, it's, it, it's going to become really tough to really become a part of this ministry if all you are is Sunday morning in and out. It's not going to work. I'm just being honest with you. You want to really think about if this is your church, if that's all you're interested in. I, I, I don't know that there's any church that would be interested in that, but maybe there is. But we're, we're, we're getting to the place where, listen, living in biblical community with one another, it's going to take a whole lot more than coming five minutes late and leaving five minutes early. Amen. It's by spending time. That's biblical community. There is a whole lot more going on here. Listen, did you know we've got compassion for children? C, C, uh, C for C. We've got Young Prophets of America called YPOA. Did you know that? We've got a global outreach ministry. We do the Jackson House, the Safe Haven Women and Children's Shelter. We do the Samaritan Ministries, the Salvation Army. We, we work with all these now. I mean, people in our church work. Not enough, but a few. Master's Table, Quapaw House, Helping Hearts. You say, we got all those ministries? Every one of them operating with people involved. It's unreal. Three nursing homes, family ministry, safari ministry, preschool, kids incorporated, revolution student ministries, altar counseling, baptistry ministry, worship service, worship groups. Really? Yeah. Amen. You say, I want to find out more about that. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. Encouraged in heart, united in love, growing in understanding. And you know, man, I don't think I'm going to be able to finish this sermon. Good night. Oh, there's so much to say. I need the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom here. Can I just give you this thought? And then I'm, I think what I want to do is I just don't want to rush it. I think we'll, we'll stretch it out since we really need to, to take the, uh, the new charter and, and distribute it to the church family. So maybe it would be good for me to make this a part one, part two. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Growing and understanding. We'll, we'll touch on that. We'll start there in a couple of weeks. But I wonder if I could do this. Could I get you to look down at the bottom of your notes? And what I want you to do is I want you to begin to, not necessarily this morning, but I want you to look. I'm going I'm to close with this. I want you to look at that little test I want to give you. And I want you to, this might be good. I don't, want you to, I don't want you to rush through this. But I want you to take your time. And I want you to ask yourself these questions. Look, these statements. When I'm not trusting God, I know it. And the Holy Spirit convicts me and I repent and begin afresh. 
Ask yourself, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you give yourself a grade? Number two, my faith in God is growing. I can see it. I have more joy in my faith than, I, than I've ever had before. Ask yourself that question. Maybe don't answer right now, since we're going to have part two of this sermon. I have a growing satisfaction in the value of knowing God. I'm growing in, in my satisfaction of, of knowing God. Listen, give yourself a grade from one to ten. In other words, if it's, you know what, really, I don't really read God's word all that much. I haven't read it in about three months. Well, you're probably a zero on that one. Be honest. Number four, I'm growing in my understanding of God's word. I love to come to church. I love to listen to preaching. I love to go to small group. I really, I don't care much about small group. And to be honest with you, preaching's okay. I, it's all right. I don't really understand much of it. You're probably three, two, one. Be honest. Which one? When I see opportunity to express Christ's love, I pray seriously about how I can do it. Number six, I can truly say that I love the people in this church. One to ten. I look for people who seem to be carrying heavy burdens, and I try to encourage them. I have already ministered to and encouraged at least one person since I came to church today. I'm giving you really a head start on that one. I want you to think about those questions. Listen, it's time to get practical, church. It's time to get practical. It's time to make some decisions. And I pray that God will just begin to work. And so this morning, as we close the message, encouraged in heart, united in love. Are you, are you encouraging others? Listen, our church is only going to be as strong as the individual members. It, it's, it's not this celebrity figure that preaches in the pulpit. Garbage on that. Garbage on a, a, a pastor-only led church anymore that just leads with this personality. Garbage. That is not biblical. Amen. You're not hurting my feelings by saying amen right there. Well, pastor, we love you. I know you love me. But hopefully you love God 10 million times more. It's not about some man. It's not about a personality. It's not about my way. It's not about, no, it's about you and I loving one another. It's about you and I encouraging one another. And if you didn't know, I need encouragement. I'm sorry. I'm human. I need it. I like it. I love it. It helps me to keep going. I'm just not that strong. We all need it. So I'm going to encourage you this morning as we give this invitation, maybe to find a place at the altar and just say, God, which one of these two do I need help in? Which one of these two? Pastor's going to continue this. But right now, encouragement. Am I encouraging? Am I loving? God, help me. Help me. Which one? Let's find a spot or maybe where you're standing or just in your seat. Where, however you want to do the invitation is fine. It's fine. But do it however you can do it to make a decision this morning. And maybe there's somebody else that says, wow. I, I, I'm not sure I understand this. And uh, Pastor, love, love, what, what does that mean? How, I don't know that I know what love means. Ah, oh, listen, I've got a message of love for you. It's called the message of the gospel. It's the greatest love story ever told. It's incredible. It's a story that includes your sin and a Savior. And Jesus loved you enough to die for you and to save you. And listen, how much, this is incredible. He loves you so much that he, he's got a mansion he wants to build you in heaven. He's got, a, he's got a place prepared for you unlike any place in all the world. And better yet, the greatest thing there is Jesus. And glorifying him, it's incredible. 
this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to invite you to come. Would our pastors come forward and stand here? I'm going to pray. And as these men come forward, I want you to not feel weird about this, strange about this, awkward about this. We're used to this. We love this. This is our way to connect. This is our way to pray. This is called the invitation. It's real simple. We're going to stand. And these men are here. They're just here. They're, they're, they're sensitive. They're looking to see if you need someone to pray with or if you need to make a decision. And if you just want to come pray, that's fine too. Father, I love you.